Welcome back to the Fit CFO Show. I'm your host, Amanda Hanquist, and together with my husband, Sean, we created this podcast as a way to help you reach your business's financial goals. We will break down common financial myths and mistakes in business and share with you the tools and knowledge to take your business to the next level. Our hope is that you'll become financially equipped for success in your business and in turn help our mission to make this world a healthier place. If you get valuable information out of this podcast, we just ask that you please share it with your audience and leave us a review so that we can continue to grow and help health and fitness businesses succeed. Right now, we are deep in the middle of tax season, but as tax season is nearing the end, I know a lot of you are probably thinking how intimidating taxes can seem. Well, in today's episode of the Fit CFO Show, Sean and I are going to break down some of the ways to make tax season seem less scary and stressful. So stay tuned. This is the Fit CFO Show. Yeah, so we're here today. We just got done doing a live in our Facebook group. Sean loves this day of the month where right. we do all the things recording. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy, don't I just ever love it. <laughs> For those of you that don't know, this is not Sean's favorite thing on the planet. No, God, no. <laughs> He's like, him and I are such opposites. It's so funny because I love this kind of stuff. I love social media. I love making connections. I love talking online. Um, and I definitely love one-on-one -on -one conversation or one-on-two conversations, but you put me in a room where I have to mingle and small talk with many, and I hate that. And that's where I thrive. I, I love that environment. <laughs> Give me in front of an audience or a microphone. Uh, Sean shuts down and is like, ah, okay, let's, <laughs> let's move on. <laughs> give me a cup of coffee or give me a mixture. And, and then when we're in a big old room, I basically stand behind you. Like, I don't know what to, I, I hate talking about the weather. I don't know what to say. <laughs> hey, we compliment each other there on that. We so do. we do. So anyways, well, today I'm excited. Well, to be fair, this is not my favorite topic, but, <laughs> but this we is are deep in it right now, though. We are deep in tax season, and this is a, a really important topic. And I named the title, Are Taxes Really That Scary? Because I have been there. I have owned multiple businesses. I have gotten the letters in the mail from the IRS and just absolutely want to crawl in a hole. And actually you stopped opening the envelopes. You just, you just gave just them to me them after a while. <laughs> just hand them over to Sean. <laughs> it that says took IRS. years. That took it says years IRS. It says state of Nebraska or whatever, anything revenue here, Sean. That literally took years for us to come up with that solution right there. <laughs> right. Boom. Off my plate. Cause. And your C your CPA at the time was very happy that Sean took over that side of things. And so was I. And so was <laughs> I. But if you are anything like me as a business owner, and you just hate this side of things, but you know, you have to deal with it. You really do want to know your numbers, but the whole, whole thing is just overwhelming and scary. Then this is the podcast for you. Let's first talk about why it seems like they're scary. Mm. I mean, you hear stories about, oh my gosh, so-and-so had to pay so much in taxes. Well, they got a $35,000 refund. Well, they had penalties for late paperwork and red flags. And oh my gosh, I had to do an audit a few years ago. And, you know, all these things cause this big, scary right. topic around taxes. And so let's talk about the big one. Yeah. 
I think it's just you don't know what you don't know is why it's so dang scary. Yeah. Um, at the end of the day, it's really not that scary. Um, follow a couple of protocols and you'll avoid all the mess. And um, maybe you mentioned this through the intro, but like just open your damn mail, right? And then <laughs> or have someone else just look at it for you and you'll be fine. Um, but I think the big one is when you talk about penalties and fees. Yeah. Um, or doing well, something wrong or being literally afraid that you're going to get put in jail or something. Well, and I, I think a lot of times it's not knowing how much taxes are due. And then all of a sudden, like, holy crap, I don't have the money to pay them. And then all of a sudden I'm hearing about penalties and fees. And then am I going to jail? And then it's no, yeah, <laughs> all the way to I'm going to jail from <laughs> opening the letter and that from the IRS to am I going to jail and everything in between. Don't get me wrong. I've talked to a lot of people that probably should go to jail, but for the most of us, <laughs> the most of us are not. We're, we're way Martha Stewart here. We're okay. <laughs> we're just ignorant. We don't know what the fuck we're doing. Like we're fine, but we're not intentionally. I, so one of the big ones we have to be aware of is we have to at least file our taxes on time. And then for all our corporations, partnerships, that was due on March 15th. Oh my That's, gosh. I didn't know that. What do I do? It's March 17th. Yeah. Get it filed because, <laughs> um, and when I say filed, it does, the tax return does not have to be done. It just has to be extended. So our CPA on the 15th probably put in an 18 hour day because <laughs> everybody needed to get extended. Right. And it was funny because I'm, I'm texting our CPA and I'm like, I'm like, like hey, the is, it too, is it too late? And she's like, no, how many do I need to extend? <laughs> I'm like, no. leave her the fuck alone. Just like, oh, getting people extended. No, but yeah. I still had extensions I needed to get put in for people that I was on the phone with that day. So yes, I mean, I, I felt bad for bugging her, but we still had to get some in. So but getting the extension in is very important. If you don't um, get the extension in or don't file on time, you run into a 5% penalty on the taxes that are due. So you owe $100,000 in taxes. You just incurred a $5,000 penalty. What? Blip. Yeah. Blip, blip, blip. Uh, so at least get, that's But if you one. owe $5,000 in taxes. Yeah, you're looking at, you know, you're looking at, you know, 2,500 bucks, right? Or whatever. So whatever. Well, that's, no, that's like $250. 250 yeah. yeah. I, yeah, whatever. I'm, I better take another drink. Take coffee the zero, carry it over. <laughs> <laughs> oh, 250 bucks. But I guess you just need to know that one. That's the big one. Um, and then work with someone to get the filed or the extension and then paying the tax. There's also a penalty on, you got to get the tax paid. So just because you extended the taxes or filed the taxes, like we're talking like on the personal returns that are yeah, due just here, because but... you filed the actual paperwork portion doesn't mean that you don't yeah. still owe the money. And our corporations and our small businesses are pass-through entities. The, the returns that are due on March 15th, Explain they're, what just that means. they're, they're informational returns. Our businesses don't pay taxes. Mm -hmm. um, I'm talking your S corps, your sole proprietorships, your schedule C's they're, um, flow through or pass through entities. So the entity itself has to file the return if you have a 1065 or you have a S corp, but you don't file, you don't pay the taxes at that point in time. So information. Sean likes to, to throw around all of these form numbers and terms. Essentially he's talking about you. And yeah. basically he's saying your business doesn't is, you know, has to file by March 15th but that doesn't most likely mean you have to pay anything. 
Um, you as the individual may have to pay something, but that's not going to be due until right. April 15th. Right. So you pay your business taxes when you file your personal return, which what is that? April 16th this year, April 18th. I don't know. It's whatever the holiday is, but it's always been known as April 15th, right? Pay your taxes. That's, yeah. that's when your taxes are going to be due. Um, that that's where I was kind of leading into like you just because you extend like you can file your business return and personal return in June, July, August, September, right? But you have your taxes that were due or going to be due need to be paid by the due date of the tax return. Yeah, like the money portion that was due is you still need still to pay do. that. And you might not know how much is due or whatnot. So it's good to pay your estimates and have something in there. But by not paying your taxes on time, that's not the biggie. That's You're not going to get killed on that. If you don't pay your tax on time, that's not the big deal. It's only a half percent each month as a penalty. Yeah, so each 6%, month. So it'll be 6% over the year. Yeah. Right. And then you also have to pay interest on the taxes that were due. And that is currently 7% um, annualized. So like whatever that. And that's on the top. interest. So on the taxes that were due, that's yes. a 7% annualized interest rate that you're also paying. So at the end of the day, if you didn't pay your taxes on time, you're not going to get killed because you're paying higher interest rate on your credit cards than what you're going to be paying the IRS. So it's not that big a deal. It's not a big deal, but the sooner that you get it done, the the right. less fees and interest you're right. going to be paying. Right. But most of our clients over the year paid in what they needed to pay in. So as long as you meet the safe harbor rule, basically you pay what you should have paid throughout the year. There is no um, penalties on interest or what is due. So like- just work with your professional and you'll be taken care of. And where I guess and, I don't want to circle back. And a lot of so times they have payment plans available too. So that's after the fact. So you filed your taxes, you couldn't pay your taxes. You can get a payment plan with the IRS. So everybody's freaked out. You know, I, I didn't do a good job saving and now I owe $30,000 taxes. How the hell am I going to come up with that money? Just work with the IRS. You can apply for a payment plan and they work with you. Great. Um, but, you know, the payment plan is going to have that 7% interest. And then they also reduce that penalty to each month down to 0.25%. So then the penalty is only what 3% annualized. And then you have a 7% annualized rate. So I know 10% sucks on interest, but it's still a hell of yeah, a lot yeah. lower than credit and cards obviously or anything else. We are recommending that you get it done on time because anytime you can keep that extra 7% or quarter percent sure. or half percent in your pocket, is the better, right? But right. if your back's against the wall, you you haven't done a good job of saving, you don't have to lose sleep at night over this. They're not going to put you in jail for not paying it. You're not going to be crushed on interest and penalties. I just circle back of um, at least get it filed on time or get your stint extension in because that's the biggie. You know, 5% up front, that's big. But uh, the 10% over the year, you get it paid in the next couple months. You hardly paid any um, and penalties and interest. So don't freak out. Um, so let's talk a little bit about, okay, so we kind of know the the scary part of tax time filings being due, payments being due, payment plans, et cetera. Let's talk about, okay, I want to make sure for 2023, I am set up for success. I haven't done a good job in the past, but going forward, I don't want to be that way anymore. Yeah. What can I do? For so you have no time? idea how much freaking taxes you owe for 2022. You haven't set, you don't even know what the hell's going on, right? You just want a starting point, mm -hmm. right? What do I start doing? With our clients, we're recommending 
for sole proprietors, LLCs, that type of entity to save 15% of your gross revenue. So that is your top number before you take out any expenses, before you're mm -hmm. um, paying for anything else, however much came in the door from coaching, Stripe or from whatever, whatever yep. that top number, 10%. Yeah, 10,000 10, comes in, put 15% of that or 1,500 over. Oh, I'm sorry. You said 15. Yeah, 15%. Yep. Over so 10,000 comes in. We're going to put 1,500 in there over in, and we're going to separate, we're going to make a separate account. It's not a special tax account. It's not nothing special, just a savings account at your bank, label it taxes and put $1,500 in there once a month, review that. Now, if you were always, some people, at, uh, some people actually put it in a different bank. So they can't touch um, the money. So they can't touch the money because As if they easy. do that, then it takes what, two, three days to actually transfer yep. over. Um, and yep. so if you feel like you might get into Access it if you're in a sticky spot, then you can utilize that yep. step too. And then also I've noticed that sometimes 1500 is a large lump sum of money, right? So I tell my clients, let's have financial Fridays. Let's just review what came in for the week and do 15% of that. Yeah. And this isn't like take two hours out of your day kind of thing. This is this like is let's take less than five minutes, minutes. Yeah. less than five minutes. Like, and the reason that's why I said gross it doesn't take in, you don't have to talk to your accountant. You don't have to look at your bookkeeping. You don't have to yep. look at anything. Just look at your top Most gross of us number. generally have an idea. You I know mean, what it was anyways. When I was side hustling my coaching, I kept it all on an Excel spreadsheet and I could just literally look at it and I knew what came in. Look at your bank account real quick. What came in, what netted in my account this week or what, look at Stripe. Stripe, Venmo, PayPal, whatever you use. And then do financial Fridays, transfer it in and it's taken care of. Um, S-Corps, I typically see around 10%. So if you are an S corp, I don't think you would need to save as much because obviously we're saving a little bit more on taxes over the time. Yeah, I would say ten percent of your gross revenue. And he says this because S corp is a strategy in general to help save on taxes, and so that in itself is going to help cut your tax bill down. So that's why that percentage is a little bit yeah. lower. Uh, and on top of it, you become an employee of your business, right? And then yep. your W-2, your reasonable check to you, um, you're withholding taxes all year long anyway. So you're paying yeah. part of your taxes throughout the year and we're saving a shit ton on FICA tax. So maybe save 10%. See how that works for you this year. And then if you have way more saved than you need, cut it back to eight or 9%. If you have less than you need, go up to 10, 11, 12% because there's not one business the same. And that's why I hate the shit out of rules of thumb. Yeah. Because we may be talking to a business running an 80 or 90% net profit margin. They're going to need to save more for taxes than someone that's running a 10% profit margin. Because if you don't make any money, you don't have any taxes due. Right. So the more profit you're making, the more taxes you're going to yeah. owe. And one thing that I always like to tell everyone is it's not a bad thing to have to pay taxes. It means you have a profitable business. Yeah. We yeah. just don't want to pay more than we absolutely have to. Right. And then U.S. the tax system in the U.S. is a progressive tax system. So as you make more money, the rates of the next dollar earned goes up. So as you make more money and more profits, you're going to have to save a little bit more for taxes. Um, and the reason... I'm going to cover one more thing. Oh, yeah, There's a lot of gurus that are out there that, hey, just you know, save 30% of your net income and that'll take care of you. And that's and that's probably maybe more of an accurate approach, but who in the hell has time to calculate down to their net income on every Friday of how much they need to save for 30%. That's why I use the gross number because of the simplicity around that. Mm-hmm. 
right? Yeah. And it's easy for us to calculate and do. So we're, I feel like if you're going to wait around and get the net income and figure it out to the T, you're probably going to end up not doing it. Now, if you're working with somebody like us, where your books are kept up to date, you can actually review that information on a regular yeah. basis. You maybe can get away with doing that, but we find that a lot of people that aren't working with us aren't, aren't really familiar well, and with that it's information. Just a- an extra thing that you have to open up, an extra mm-hmm. thing you have to do to be able to do the transfers. And we want yeah, to Yeah. And, and if one more barrier of entry means you're probably yeah. not going to do it. Just keep it simple. Yeah. Yeah. Keep it simple. I love that. So let's say that you get the letter in the mail from the IRS, you're sweating bullets before you even open it. And then the second you do, it's, it's like, oh my God, this is in a foreign freaking language. I don't even know what this means. Um, <laughs> I get that one. Believe me. I just did a funny reel on that actually. Um, but I want to uncover just some of the general guidelines in the IRS that I guess, best practices that can prepare you, um, to just have a less stressful mindset when it comes to getting those things in the mail so that we don't put them on the bottom of the pile and shove them aside. I'll deal with it next month. How do we avoid these red flags when it comes to the IRS? Right. So when we're talking like simple things and, um, letters from the IRS are typically something simple, like maybe they're missing a form or your quarterly employment taxes was not filed on time and just get it filed. And typically it's really, really, really simple. Just look at the form. And if it's foreign language to you, make sure you have a financial professional on your team that you can just forward that to them and they could tell you what you need to do. Or if they have access, they'll just do it for you. That's that one is- of the things I love about FitCFO is we we have this um, platform where you can put up a put it upload a document to and you can be like I, I don't know what the hell this is and then yeah. our team of experts can look at it and say file it away no worries yeah. or do X Y Z and I would assume ninety five to ninety nine percent of the IRS letters you get is probably something pretty small yeah. Right. But what we're maybe talking and what you were maybe going down was the bigger red flags of like, yeah, am yeah. I doing so this right of, am I going to get an audit or am I going to own the jail? Yeah, right? That's, like, a good that's point what you're probably that, thinking. That's a good point that you brought up is that most of the time it's no big deal, but let's say that it is a big deal and oh crap, there is a red flag. Yeah. First of all, let's talk about how we can avoid red flags in the first place, because I think most of us are probably at that point where we can certainly avoid them, but let's talk about how we can do that. Uh, And I'll just go back to the the first comment real real quick to give you an example of a couple that we've dealt with this year of people getting letters in the mail. Like they got a letter in the mail and they owed $26,000 on taxes. And it was one of those things like, you know, like, damn, what happened? (laughs) Taxes were filed. Well, what what had happened is the, the original filing of the tax return is what was filed and they're showing um, more due, but they're not, they haven't filed or got to the amended return that was filed for that client that was showing less taxes due. So, you know, that's a couple examples of like, I got this letter, what the hell's going on? I thought everything was fine. Well, everything's going to be fine, but they're just dealing with the original return. And we amended your return, remember, because we found some errors that the other say CPA didn't find and we filed an amended and you had less due. So you paid less. And now they're wanting more money from you, but we just need to send them your amended return again. They're just still waiting. And a lot of things do get crossed in the mail with the IRS because they are mailing things. They're they're mailing things to you. 
and, and then and trying to do the resolution and to get back mm-hmm. behind all this is just insane. It sucks. Yeah. So there's a lot of lag time. So a, a lot of times if you, if you know that there was, there was something done to offset that you're still got the letter that it's a, you, you have to pay X, Y, Z, just look into it. Don't freak out. Cause it's probably a situation something where small. it was. Mm-hmm. All right. So let's now look, look at bigger red flags, like for causing an audit, which no one wants, right? Right, like, right. Yeah, we all want to kind of buzz under that radar. Because I mean, at the end of the day, I am cool. Like I love walking the the gray line, the fine line. Like, I think it know, comes to the, like, cause I get asked this a lot on when I'm talking to people about their situation. Like, how do you guys uh, like, maneuver what we can and can't do. Like people ask kind of the line that we walk here at the CFO. And the way that I personally like to answer that is, well, we're not going to do anything illegal, right? Right. But we we definitely don't want to leave the IRS a tip. And I think that depends on how fast you are willing to go, how risky you, I think it, it always has to be client first. Like if somebody is uh, an individual that plays it very, very safe and they are very uncomfortable with any type of risk, we've got to understand that about that client. Yeah. But you also got to think about who you're working with as a financial professional too, Mm -hmm. because yeah, we want to do what you want to do because it is your tax return, your responsibility, right? But as a firm, like we don't want to do anything illegal or like in a big example of like everybody's electing to be S corps, right? That's great. We can save a lot of money on taxes by paying a reasonable salary, but you know, you may have a firm that's like, ah, we don't need to pay you a salary. Let's like avoid all FICA taxes. That's tax evasion. And yeah. you're filing a return that has zero salary wages, right? And then yeah. you get audited and then they're going to look and see what firm filed this. And then they're going to look at that firm and they're like, oh, by the way, firm, I want to see all your Let's other Let's look clients. at everybody's at your entire firm. And so that yeah. opens, yeah. So that opens so up the can of worms. working with a financial firm, you are going to work with somebody to like, I, I like the, right the point way. that you brought up because, because yeah, we would never do anything illegal. And if you are working with somebody that's like, oh, my tax professional doesn't care what I do. And they're, they let me get away with this and let me get they're away with that. And it's like, well, they're probably letting their whole book get away with everything. And then when they get audited, you might be in line. Yeah, it's so, just one step away from having a lot of penalties due. Um, that, that was just a little, uh, I guess, rabbit hole. But um, S-Corp's a big one that you want to avoid. Um, um, not paying salaries or paying very minimal, a little to no salary because- So let's, let's reword how you just said that. So he doesn't mean like avoid S-Corp. The purpose of having an S corp is that you are paying yourself a reasonable salary. So if you are electing for an S corp, but not paying yourself a reasonable salary, that is a sign for a red flag. Yep. And um, there's not a lot of great guidance on what it has to be. Right. But let's just be reasonable. And and we work specifically in. Let's say that you are paying your administrative assistant $75,000 $75,000 and you're the owner of the business and you're making $25,000. That, that could be a red flag. That doesn't make a lot of sense, right? Good example. And now the next one is like specific margins that you're running because you're going to be within a certain like industry within the IRS when you file your tax returns for your business. And let's say the industry average is a 40% um, net margin and you constantly run a negative margin yep. because you're avoiding taxes. That might spark a... Now I do want to say when you are getting your business off its feet, when you are investing a lot more in the beginning and you're not quite as profitable, 
the IRS understands this. Right. Because right? you might only have $150,000 revenue, but when you got two, three million of revenue yeah. and then and there's no profits, they may look into that. Right. Year after year after year, you're not showing any profits. That's a sign of a red flag. Yeah. I did have that as well. I wanted to chat about excessive losses or year over year. That's going to spark oh, a red flag. That's a whole nother one. Sorry. I cut in on your order. Jeez, look at you. <laughs> but yeah, <laughs> was, we're hitting I was getting it. Like, fired up. Uh, yeah, like losses are great, but year over year, they're not going to be acceptable. I like that you brought this next one up and this is the home office deduction. I think this one gets misconstrued because I see a lot of, of people thinking that they can just pay their entire house rent or their entire mortgage out of their business account. And this happens a lot. And when we say home office deduction, that is not what we mean. And when I say we, I'm talking about everybody on the tax side as a whole. It means that you get a deduction from your home office. So what you're going to do is you're going to pay for your house, your mortgage, your apartment out of your personal account. Mm -hmm. And then you are going to let your CPA know at the end of the year that you have a home office. And then they are going to do a calculation so that they can then deduct that from your expenses. Yeah, perfectly said. Um, let's just say I have a main W-2 job. I'm side hustling this new um, gig. I love it. I have $25,000 of revenue and then I have $25,000 of meal deductions. Hmm. That might be a little excessive on the meal deduction. Might throw right. over that flag. <laughs> That's a good one. Um, um, coffee well, would be right up I there. Had 20, now for you and I, we may have $25,000 of coffee. We might have 25,000 of coffee, but I do pay for a lot of that out of our personal account. That's <laughs> and the, the other thing too, is when you can show that, Hey, I do also pay for a lot of this personally, that kind of offsets that weight a little sure. bit. Too. Okay. And another thing that I was not really aware of early on in my career, it's like, I talked after CPA after CPA and, and with our CPA, we talked, it's like filing extensions are not necessarily a bad thing um, because a lot of the audits and the, the quotas that the IRS meets, because they want it to audit a certain percentage of people's tax returns. Didn't really, a lot of them are ran early. Like, so you get your tax returns filed early, the first couple months, you know, between say that February, 15th and that April 1st or March 15th type frame, they're doing a lot of the random like status quo audits. And then once they meet the status quo, they're probably not going to be a whole lot more audits done unless there would be some huge red flags. So doing extensions, what I'm saying is doing extensions is not always a bad thing. I think it's misconstrued that, oh my gosh, if I file an extension, that's a red flag. But what I hear you saying is, is that's actually kind of opposite. You probably have less likely odds of getting in the random. No, uh, I will say, I feel like the only people that do their taxes early are people that are W2 employees that are getting a refund. (laughs) I've never done my taxes early. There's been a few that's wanted taxes done early just because they had no freaking clue, right? But they were we, can usually do, we usually do that with a tax planning meeting to avoid that. But okay, so I hope that really helped on some major red flags, some things to probably avoid and just use common sense. Uh, yeah, so when it okay. comes to business expenses and tax write-offs, one rule of thumb that you can always keep in mind, just always remember this. If it's ordinary and necessary for your business, then it is a tax expense or a write-off. Absolutely. All right. What's next? 
So how to avoid the big tax bill surprise? Like, oh my gosh, I owe $26,000 in taxes. I do not have $26,000 in my bank account. What the frick? And my CPA never told me this was going to happen. And my CPA didn't do a good job because they didn't tell me that this was going to happen. And, and mm. I need to look for a new CPA right now. Okay. So first of all, you paid them $700 to file your business return and personal return. And that's what they did. You, you didn't pay them uh, anything extra to do a tax strategy for you. No. And you didn't meet with them towards the end of the year to do a tax planning meeting. And you also can't expect for a tax professional to deep dive into tax strategy between the months of January and April because they are so busy filing. So, yeah, they're going to be putting out 1099s, filing, but... I guess where I'm going is like a lot of the firms out there, the, your CPAs, they're all great firms. They're very talented, but they're very transactional. Yeah. Right? They're there to file your tax returns and they're not there to give you a tax planning and a strategy Most, meeting. And everybody deserves a strategy meeting or a tax planning meeting. It's yep. where you actually can benefit and be proactive when it comes to tax time. Because the one thing I think that is misunderstood is a conventional um, accounting firm is going to be reactive to your tax. They're looking at past numbers. They're looking at past numbers. They're, yeah. And that's what you've given them, right? Like yeah. you are coming to them in the first quarter of the year saying, here's all my stuff. I need to file my taxes. And that is what you're hiring. That's what you're paying for. That's what you're going to get. Yeah. Now, if you are needing more of a robust strategy, you are needing tax savings. You are maybe needing some planning because you have depreciation. Maybe I don't want to say, I don't want to say maybe you need yeah. to do this. Like you're, yeah. yeah, you, you should want to have this Yeah. because if you're working, you're working with active numbers that you can do something about when you go visit your tax professional on, on October 15th. Absolutely. And so that's one of the things that I wanted to bring up. And that's why I put this avoid the tax bill surprise in here. Yeah, I, I am sorry to tell you this, but if you are worried about this for 2022, there's there may be some things that you could still do, but yeah. it's best right now to look forward. And let's be let's proactive for 2023. Do what we can for 2022. Right. Do what we can, but you know, we're kind of crossing the line there on it being too late, but what can we do? Let's, let's get prepared, Sean. What can we do for 2023? Um, I do want to go back one second. Yeah. That is why we are full service only firm. Mm -hmm. We do oh, not just file people. We don't just file your taxes because that's what you yeah. needed. I we probably know, could have brought on a hundred tax only filing right. tax only clients. And guess what's going to happen? We're not going to give them truly what they need. We yeah. were going to give them what they wanted and they didn't know what they need. Mm -hmm. And that is why we included tax planning and tax strategy with every one of our clients. Because when you we become are a full a service pro client. We believe in being proactive. We believe in being proactive. We are proactive. And that's that's really what matters with who we're working with. 
Um, and we're not for everybody and we will, we will give everybody that we can this material that we're putting out our resources on our website, our Facebook group, like get everything you can out of this. But if you are coming to fit CFO to work with us one-on-one at our full service accounting firm, we are proactive. We are giving you full service. We are taking care of these things. And that is the difference between us and a traditional accounting you know, firm. You're going to have maybe a sticker shock. I'm not going to lie, but it's mm-hmm. what you need. It's the bells and whistles. It's what every business owner has to have to be successful. And yep, that's absolutely. why we included that exactly. That's what we included in our base package. So everybody gets it. It's not an upgrade. Yep. So let's talk about what it is that we specifically do that oftentimes you can't find at a traditional firm that is going to prepare you for 2023. Yeah. Um, so maybe you could walk them through the process of like coming on board and, you know, getting everything designed now. Yeah. So I, I think that would answer a lot of these questions if I just kind of walk with you guys. So like, let's say that you go to fitcfo.com slash contact and you are scheduled to talk to me I am going to look at your numbers or at least talk with you about your numbers, talk with you about your business, see where you're at. I want to hear about your goals. And if you're not at a point where your revenue is high enough to work with a firm like us, because we are always looking at percentages and return on investment. I am going to tell you that it is not going to be a return on your investment and you're better off doing this instead. And then I will give you some action items, right? And so you're never going to be in a position where you're not going to leave with at least something to go off of. But let's say you are at a point where you are ready to work with a full service uh, company like Fit CFO, then what I'm going to do is I'm going to send your proposal to you. It's going to be custom just specifically for you and your needs based off of the questions that I'm going to ask you. And then that's going to allow you to get onboarded with our company. And then what happens is once you speak with our onboarding specialist, they're going to determine, they're going to you know, get all of your documentation, get all of your information. Then you're going to go over to our, our controller. Yep. Our controller is a fancy word for um, basically upper level accountant. So what I think a lot of people don't understand is an accountant is, is all of the data collection side, right? right? It's all of like the bookkeeping, the QuickBooks, the expenses, the revenue, the right. payroll, the employees, like that side of things. And then once all of that is settled and clear and understood, you're then going to go and, and chat with our CPA. The CPA is everything tax related. And so our CPA is going to take a look at your prior returns during that meeting. She's going to see, okay, are, was everything done not only correctly, right. but to the, to the best that it could be done for you? Do we need to file some amendments to have a better tax situation for yep. you? Um, and then that is going to be the first, uh, I guess, setup point for you. If you sign up for advisory calls, we're going to sit and talk with you about KPIs and things like that throughout the year. Um, but then at, in the fourth quarter, this is where we're going to set you up for success for that, that following year. And Sean, I'm going to yeah. let you kind of elaborate because you yeah. have done a lot of these fourth quarter tax strategy reviews. Yeah. So onboarding the CPA is going to get you sent in the right direction. So obviously look at prior returns, see you're at this year, let you know, here's the estimates you should be doing. Here's two or three big tips that we want to start now so we can take advantage of the tax strategies. And then anywhere between... Um, 
I don't like to start earlier than October 1st because I like to have first, second, third quarter data. It's usually a pretty good indicator of the fourth quarter. And then also we've got your back data. So I know what usually happens in fourth quarter. So we're able to get a good estimate of what you've done in the past and what you're expecting in the future. And we can pretty much nail it within, I don't know, a few thousand bucks here or there of revenue of here's how much I made. And then we have your, your expenses as well. So we can really truly identify what your tax bill is going to be. And then we're going to give you five, six, seven, eight different tax strategies that we're going to implement before December 1st to get that bill down as much as we can, or the tax liability, I should say down as much as we can. And then we may also have that conversation. So we know your goals. We know you, right? I am buying a house this year. I got to buy my brick and mortar building. I can't show, you know, X amount, like little profits. I have to show enough revenue so I can qualify for this loan. So maybe we delay some of these strategies and hold some of those over for next tax year. That's I why think you call a, it. I think you brought up a really important point there because it's not always in your best interest to get your profits dwindled down to nothing to pay right. low taxes. There may be situations where you need some lending and that lender does not want to see low profits from you. Right. So that's why they call it tax planning. Mm -hmm. Every year is different. Like we yep. might not want to take the bonus depreciation on the new vehicle this year. We might not want to use that over five years. So um, I can have more profits this year. Like it's just. Well, or if it's a situation where you've been playing low key to build your organic reach this year and you know, next year is going to be a significant uh, revenue mm -hmm. year, you might want to save um, some depreciating assets for the yes. following year. So that's, that's what's happening during that meeting. We're identifying what the numbers are. We're telling you what your tax bill is going to be within a range, right? And then we're like, okay, what do we need that tax liability to be? Let's be as efficient as we can on taxes, but make sure we're not crushing your cash flow because an expense is still an expense. Yeah. It just better be a good investment if we're going to spend that money on certain things to get your tax liability down. I like that you brought that up because as business owners, we get hit up so often from charities or this or that saying, well, it's a tax deduction, but don't ever forget that you're spending a dollar to save 30 cents, right? Yes. And, and there are times when that's in your best interest to do so. Right. And at other times time. it's better to keep the 70 cents in your bank account. Yep. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So, well, kind of just to circle everything back around, um, you know, tax season is by the time you guys hear this episode, we'll be shortly coming to an end, but don't forget you can file extensions. You can, you know, it is not too late. You don't have to like crawl in a hole. <laughs> like It's not <laughs> worth losing sleep over. There are the best thing that you can do is reach out to a tax professional, reach out to us. If you would, if you would like to inquire there, just go to fitcfo.com slash contact talk with a professional of some manner, the earlier you get things rolling and going, the mm -hmm. the better you can get ahead of it. But it's it's never too late to get your situation all, all ship shape. Absolutely. Well, awesome. Um, avoiding red flags when it comes to the IRS. We talk a lot about business expenses, tax write-offs, um, paying yourself a reasonable wage, certain deductions, having profits in your business, not always showing a loss year after year. You know, these are, again, some of the big red flags that the IRS is going to see. Right. If you can, I don't want to say avoid these, but minimize these, you're going to be in a pretty safe spot. And don't forget that a business expense or a tax write-off is something that is 
is ordinary and necessary for your business. And then avoiding big tax bill surprises, it really comes down to planning and strategy, being proactive and not always just shoving your stuff over to your CPA at the last minute to be reactive to it. All right, guys. Well, is there anything wow. else that I missed there? No. Well, maybe. I mean, you did such a good job. The only thing that like I would love to kind of end with of let's be proactive and at least start saving for our taxes if you haven't done so already. Yes. Yep. Let's use Thank those you. percentages that we talked that. about. Let's let's add that into our just normal operations of let's transfer a certain amount of money, certain percentage over into this tax savings and at least do this going forward, at least get started. Yep. And we have a FitPro profit formula on our free resource page on our website. You guys, we have an entire webpage for a full of free resources. So head over there, download yours, um, join our Facebook group. I'm going to put all these things in our show note links. Um, but if you have questions about your specific situation, feel free to reach out to fitcfo.com slash contact. Well, you'll be, um, you know, sent over to me. I'm happy to hop on a phone with you, give you a little strategy session. Um, but thank you guys for listening and we will catch you in the next one. Peace. If you like this episode, please be sure to subscribe and turn on your notifications so that you don't miss a beat. We'd love it if you'd share this podcast, your Instagram story, your Facebook page, or any of your other social media platforms so that we can help other health and fitness entrepreneurs out there succeed in business. We so appreciate you listening in. And until next time, keep your goals high, but keep each step attainable. Whoa.